Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Welcome to this week's episode where we're dealing with a topic that happens quite a lot, but it doesn't often get talked about that much. And that is settlements in the workplace. And if you've been on the receiving end of a settlement, you'll know how tough that can be. And we're going to talk through our personal experience to help you if you're ever in that situation or you're just coming through that situation, come out on the other side with your ambition and everything else intact. So before we get in to to the episodes and we start talking about settlement agreements. I think it's probably important just to let people know what a settlement agreement is. So Jackie, as our HR expert, can you tell us what a settlement agreement is? Yeah, so we're based in the UK and this is the term here for agreements that are in essence a way for an employer to terminate somebody's contract in a way that would otherwise potentially lay them open to a tribunal claim and the settlement aspect is that somebody signs away their rights to take that employer to a tribunal in exchange for a financial settlement so they're legally reviewed contracts they're binding on both sides and they happen surprisingly often (laughs) So this is something that you may find yourself on the receiving end of within your career. You may, as a manager, have to be the one to have a conversation, to bring it up and offer it to somebody. You may have friends or family that go through this. And yeah, it like, like we said in the intro, it doesn't get talked about very much. They're kind of under the radar and quite secretive. And I think that can actually be really damaging, which is why we wanted to do this episode. Pam. Have you been on the receiving end? Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> and I think when we were talking about this episode, I think we weren't surprised that the two of us have actually been on the receiving end and both went through similar, almost like emotional roller coasters of dealing with the outcome of that. It do- doesn't make you feel great. And then you have the whole worry then as well as it not feeling great of how do I explain this going forwards what am I going to do now what do I tell recruiters what do I say in interviews and nine times out of ten when this happens to people they're not prepared for it they don't know it's coming and then things like just the basic stuff for a new job search are not ready if you've not looked at your CV for years it's so hard then to start thinking about those things and getting into job search mode when you've literally just been smacked across the face of the settlement figure. And then what do I do now? I've not done an interview for years. I've not got an updated CV. I don't know where to start. And I'm feeling all of these emotions around it. And it's what do you do? And lots of my clients will come to me in this situation because lots of people just freeze. They just freeze and think, don't know 
what to do next, don't know where to start. So what I always do when clients come to me and they're in this situation, the first thing I do is get them to do the career map exercise, which is something that we've talked about in a previous episodes, and we can link to it in the show notes as well. And what I say to them is go back over the last 10 years and let's look at everything that you've done really well, everything that you're proud of, everything that you've achieved and start there. Don't worry initially about getting your CV up to date. Don't worry about what comes in the interviews. Let's just go back and reflect on all of the good stuff that you've done just so that we can start rebuilding that confidence straight away. Yeah, and I think with so many settlement agreements, it just really challenges your own sense of self-worth, self-confidence, self-esteem, because if you aren't prepared for it, if you aren't expecting it, then you can literally be sideswiped by it where you go through all of the change curve piece where you're just in shock initially. So you're not in that place where you can be like shiny, happy, going out there, being your best self interviews straight away. It's going to take some time. And I think that for me, I had a bit of an idea that so it wasn't totally out of the blue and the reason that I knew that was because in the business where that happened to me it had happened to other people and so it wasn't totally unexpected but still that was the overriding thing was this sense of one minute you're the golden boy or golden girl you're on the pedestal you're doing really well you're flying you're feeling like your career's going really well and then the next minute all of a sudden it feels like your world in your world's imploding you know your security has been taken away yes you have a financial settlement and you have some money in your bank but then you don't know how long that's got to last you don't know how long your job search might take you don't know whether you worry about whether you're going to find a role at the same level or am I going to have to take a role at a lower level because I won't find something else at the same level quickly enough and you have all of these conflicting emotions rolling around in your head and I think you just have to kind of roll with the punches with that before you even get to the point like I feel like people often rush into job search mode because of panic but actually they're not emotionally yet in the right place for job search mode so how did you get yourself beyond that initial shock to the point of being able to because I I feel like for me it took a good few weeks probably to get to the point where I felt that I could have really reflected on my strengths and achievements and all of that good stuff. So for you personally, or with clients that you work with, who've been on the receiving end of a settlement, how long do you think people should expect that to take? I think everyone's different. So for me, I personally, it did take a few months because you do beat yourself up and you do think, what could I have done differently? What should I have said? What could I? And you go through all these scenarios in your mind and you beat yourself up. You you do that. I, like Regardless of the situation, you're going to go through and you're going to beat yourself up because, and you're going to think, why me? And it's just a natural part of that. And especially if you're the only one, but then because you can't talk about it, you don't know really who else. And because you can't really talk to the people who you've previously worked with and they can't talk to you, it's, it can be a real isolating situation. So I think for me, it took a few months for me to get my head around it. Now I got a decent payment. So for me, it meant 
a little bit of free time, a little bit of time to give myself some headspace. Now, I think I'm in a slightly different position to most people because I was, I knew what my job searching and interviewing capabilities were like. So I wasn't worried about getting another job. Like that didn't, that wasn't one of my main worries. Now, I know for lots of my clients, that is one of their main worries. So like you say, they rush straight into that job search because they're just in panic mode. This money will only last three months. Or if I've got another job in one month, what am I going to do? And so they'll start getting themselves into this cycle of panic. Whereas for me, it was slightly different because I knew I'm capable of finding a new job. I knew I was capable of going through the process of updating my CV, of going to interviews, of really finding the right next step for me rather than just jumping into something just to be employed again and then go into job search mode and then still have some money left as well. So that was always my plan. So when clients come to me and they're in that situation, what I always say to them is the ideal scenario is that you get to have a couple of months off so that you can relax. And you also have a lump sum of money in the bank that you can just keep hold of because you'll get another job. Now, I believe that everyone is employable. Now, sometimes, depending on the type of role or the industry that you're in, sometimes, you know, that the next role after a settlement might just be a stopgap role. But if you've got that career plan in place that says, okay, this is where I want to be in the next couple of years, the stock grab role is absolutely fine. If you just need to take a role to get some money coming in to make you feel better, you can continue looking for a role. But in an ideal world, my advice is to take, to stop, take stock, think about where you've been, all of the good stuff, like the career map exercise is perfect for that, reflecting on all of that good stuff, everything that you're proud of, all the kinds of people that you've loved working with, create a list of those non-negotiables, use that exercise to update your CV, use that exercise to inform your the answers that you're going to give at interview and get yourself into the mindset of this has happened, you're going to survive it. You, you will get another job. Everybody is employable, no matter what, no matter how niche they think their job was or that there's nothing else out there or they won't get paid the same. I guarantee that if you reflect on where you've been and you get your CV up to date so that you can position yourself properly in the job market and you can go into an interview and talk through those things, which if you are in panic mode, you won't be able to do that as effectively because if you are panicking and if you go in with an air of desperation, if you are just thinking, I just need to get this, your brain will not allow you to, to come up with the answers that you need in order to show the depth of your experience or your knowledge. So you need to get your head in the right place and then embark on the job search. And it's almost trust the process. So if you can get yourself into the mindset of there is another job out there for me, I will find another job. I will be fine. All I need to do is just take stock and figure out what the best strategy is moving forward. You you will be fine. And even though it doesn't feel like that, you'll always get another job. There's always another job, isn't there? Yeah. And I think if I reflect on my experience, one of the things for me was that I think drove some of the panic was this idea that the longer you have a gap on your CV, the worse it looks. Like the more you're going to have to explain, the more questions will be asked. And we've talked before about being 
above board and very open on your CV about gaps and being prepared for the fact that, that question will be asked, but being, you know, not trying to basically hide it and make out that it hasn't happened. And good recruiters will recognize that settlements happen to good people. And even if they suspect that's possibly what's happened, they're not going to write you off just for the sake of the fact that you've got a gap on your CV. Talent is hard to find for businesses, especially in management and leadership roles. And take stock of and take confidence from what you can bring. And I think one of the most helpful things for me was having a session with a coach who was experienced in recruitment and was able to reflect back to me and say, you are a really good candidate. As an impartial person, she wasn't recruiting me for a role. She was there in that capacity as coach. And we were talking through my experience and talking through what happened. And that still, to this day, really sticks with me. And I still remember the difference. So I'd parked up and it was an in-person session that I'd gone to and I'd parked up, gone in to this session. And I remember walking back from that session to the car park and my whole demeanor had changed and how I felt had changed because somebody objective who wasn't actually recruiting me for a job had taken me through that kind of coaching process to really help me to explore and delve and remind myself of what I was capable of and then objectively had reflected back and said you are a really good candidate like somebody will be lucky to have you and I think the other thing that I think was really key to it was being able to be open and have that conversation about this is my situation I've been on the receiving end of a settlement because there is so much secrecy around it and I think that just massively multiplies the emotional impact of it because if you stick rigidly to the terms of a settlement agreement then you in theory tell nobody it's like totally completely secret but the problem is that obviously you've got to have your career story when you go for recruitment you've got to be able to talk about why there's a gap why did you leave that role so there's this real kind of like internal wrangling and angst that comes up with well, how do I handle that question and if I don't handle it well pressure's ramped up for every role that you apply for because you're panicking about how long will this money last and all of those other things so how do you suggest on that score then from a practical perspective if somebody is in that situation and going to recruitment how do they handle that question of, it's quite clear you're not working, why are you immediately available? So I think, so you know that I've got a really harsh view on, on CV gaps and that for me, and even as a recruiter and as a headhunter, I honestly believe that it's none of the employer's business where you've got a gap on your CV because you are allowed to have a life outside your corporate role. You don't need to have every single role joined up and back to back. Now, when I worked in recruitment, and I was going to say 10 years ago, but it's more like 20 years ago now, when I first started in recruitment, back then, if a candidate didn't have joined up experience, they would be disregarded because it was harder to put them forward to a client. Now, fast forward to 2023, when I'm doing headhunting assignments for clients, like when we're seeing these gaps on people's CVs, it's as long as 
we can see what the person can bring to the role. Those gaps are just so much less important. And sometimes you genuinely might want to ask in an interview, like, what have you been doing since you finished work? So many people have got amazing stories about what they've been doing. Some people will go traveling. People will do a whole range of things. Like recently I've had clients who've done like really nice volunteering activities and all of that kind of stuff and give back for six months because you know, it felt right for them and they wanted to have that time out. So there's so many different reasons. So don't get hung up on having to explain why you've got a gap and it's absolutely okay to have a gap. And when you're answering that question in an interview, I would never, ever say lie in an interview. You want to be as transparent as possible. So you, I would say, be prepared for that question. And if it's a settlement agreement, then you might want to you might want to talk about it being your decision to leave the business to explore other opportunities or you might want to possibly say that you were made redundant and as we were saying before we started recording the episode it depends on the industry that you're in because if it's a super small industry people know that you've not been made redundant or there's more to it or whatever the situation is, then, you know, you want to be as transparent as possible in that situation, but you also need to be really comfortable talking about it. And don't let that question derail the whole interview or don't let the worry of being asked that question derail the interview because it, it does happen to people because they're so worried about being asked about why they got finished up in a company or why they've left a company. That's all they think about. So all of the good stuff that they could talk about just doesn't come to mind because they're worrying about the stuff that they might not even get asked about what do you think is the best answer Jackie if if somebody is asked you know why did you leave your last company when you're in this settlement agreement situation so I think it's a really interesting one because from a recruiter perspective so like you I will partner with clients sometimes and look for talent and work with them to find the right people and I can hand on heart say it would not put me off. If I'm talking to somebody and they say, do you know what, that's what happened, then it would not put me off. What I would not do is I would not share that information with a client company because I would respect the terms of the confidentiality of the settlement agreement and I would not share that because it's not my news to share. So I think it really comes down to what you feel fits best in terms of how you agree it. So what I would definitely recommend not to say is it was a mutual agreement because basically that just sounds like you've been fired, which raises questions about your performance and your capability. So don't say that. I think redundancy often can be the closest. And I think one of the things that sometimes holds people back from saying things is that they worry about if I do get the job, then there'll be a reference check and then what we'll say and if it won't tally up. The reality is, if you've been on the receiving end of a settlement agreement, then the company that has settled you out when they give a reference, they will normally have agreed a kind of written reference for you to take with you. And they will literally then just be confirming you were employed from this date to this date in this job title. And they can't break the terms of the agreement either. So they are not going to be sharing that. So I feel like people get a bit hit up and worry about saying it was a redundancy or I left for this reason. But the, I think the big thing is 
have something that you feel comfortable saying and that you can say with conviction and commitment because if you try and fudge the issue a good recruiter is going to spot that you're feeling uncomfortable with that question they're going to read the signs and they're then going to have their radar up of okay what's going on here and probably read into it far more than is actually the case and I think it's important for you as a candidate, as someone who's been on the receiving end of a settlement agreement to recognise this happens a lot. It happens more than you think. And it feels incredibly personal to you when it happens to you. But actually, for recruiters, we see this all the time. We recognise it. And if people sometimes, so from a coaching perspective, when we're coaching clients, then people can be completely transparent and honest and they can talk to us about their experience of it. As recruiters, people aren't normally as forthcoming. And I would say be cautious because while I certainly would never pass that information on, I probably wouldn't share that information with a recruiter that I didn't know. Yeah. And I think that's a really good advice because I think now recruitment consultants have got a whole like loads of different levels of experience and different levels of training and Sometimes they might not have experienced that. They might not know what it means. If they don't realize that it needs to be confidential, then, you know, they could share that information. You need to think, if you know the recruiter well, you've been working with them for a few different roles, you've known them for a few years and you feel comfortable with them, then, you know, it's up to you whether you share that. But if you don't know a recruiter and you, it's just somebody that's called you because you've applied to a job on a job board, You've never heard of the recruitment firm, which is quite common now. There's so many independent recruiters. That doesn't mean to say that they aren't really good recruiters with good experience around that, but you just need to be cautious and aware that they won't all have the same level of experience or training. Yeah. And I think there can be as well judgments and assumptions that you can worry about that might make very conscious. And again, it comes back to what relationship have you built with that recruiter can you trust, can you say to them, look, I can share this with you, but I'm sharing it with you to get your guide on how do I handle it if it comes up with the hiring manager, as opposed to I'm sharing it with you so you can share it with them. So I think you're absolutely right. So much of it is on that kind of personal relationship that you've got with that person you're having the conversation with. But yeah, it, it does evolve and it develops with time. So are there any kind of big no-nos you would say for people that have had a settlement agreement are there any things that they should be mindful of not doing I think the key thing for me and based on my own experience is don't beat yourself up like that is the the key thing because it's so easy to start beating yourself up and almost hating on yourself and being like I must be there's a whole range of words that could probably fit into that box because I've been let go or I've get a lot of the time and this is what I heard from clients and I can probably say that the same thing myself like I've give them everything <laughs> I'm just give them a hundred percent I've give them like 150 percent on a daily basis I've worked myself into the ground and then this is how you repay me and I think in loads of ways it's a business decision it's not it's not usually personal even in the cases where you think it is personal it's it just don't beat yourself up because that position wasn't right for you for whatever reason that was so now you are free 
to go and find a position that is right for you. So I think the biggest tip that I can give is just don't rush into your job search head first in panic mode, just trying to secure something so that you feel better about yourself. Because this is an opportunity to really think through everything that you've done and actually what you'd like to do, like what you'd really like to do going forward and how that fits in with your career plan. If you've ever thought of career plan, if you've ever thought to think in like three or five years ahead, you know, what it's your opportunity to think, what is the next step for me? What does that look like? What do I want it to feel like? What are my non-negotiables? What crap was I putting up with in that last job that I don't want to take forward into the next job and it's a great opportunity to do that because everybody deals with crap in every job some people handle it different deal with it different but this is your opportunity to go I'm not going to deal with that anymore and this is what I want moving forward this is what it looks like and then start planning your job search around that criteria rather than just jumping in and trying to get something you know the same because it's also a great opportunity to go for a promotion at this stage and Lots of my clients come to me and because they're so distraught about what's happened that they actually forget that there's a real opportunity to either make a career change that they've been thinking about for a while or take that next step up and go for a promotion. And you've got that little bit of time. Suppose for me, really take that time. Even if you just allocate yourself two weeks thinking time, like two weeks is not a long time, but two weeks thinking time, get yourself out in the fresh air, spend time with friends and family. Even if you go and sit in Costa for a couple of hours and just get your head around what's happened, stop beating yourself up and think about what you want more of. And lots of people say to me, but I don't know what I want. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Tell me what you don't want because I guarantee the list will be as long as their arm. So if you are thinking, I don't know what I want to do next, Forget what you want to do next. Think about what you don't want. And then once you've got your list of what you don't want, it's pretty clear then to see what you do want. So that probably, I said my biggest tip, that's probably about five tips there in one. That's just like my thought process that I went through myself and what I see from clients and have helped them navigate their journey as well. Yeah. And I think very closely linked to that, the big thing I would say to guard against is being bitter. I think it's very easy to feel, like you say, to feel that it's personal, to feel that it's about you. And it normally isn't. It's normally a commercial thing. And I think particularly if you have, for example, I've known of some horrible stories of reasons why people have been on the receiving end of a settlement agreement and stuff where they're quite entitled to be really quite pissed off about it. But the reality is that staying in that state doesn't help you move through it it doesn't help you move past it and it is that sign if a business has made that decision I've known of it for personality clashes for example somebody that just had a personality clash and you then start to question and feel like that's really unfair why am I the one that's gone and that person that in my eyes has done something far worse is still there so I feel like big thing I would say is don't let that kind of bitterness, frustration, negative emotional state take hold and keep hold of you because that will make it so much harder to get into that positive frame of mind where you are thinking about what you want. You are being clear on what you don't want and it will just eat you up and it doesn't let it happen, process it, move through it. And I think 
the other thing I would say is do get professional help, like do work with a coach or somebody who can help you to process. And we obviously have both been in that situation and we've both worked with a lot of clients that have been in that situation, but I still go back to my experience. And that was a one-off session for a couple of hours with that external coach who had the experience of recruitment, who wasn't recruiting me, but was able to give me that real kind of objective reflection back and let me talk it through in a place that was confidential. And I came out of that literally feeling a foot taller. So I think with something where you are very limited in what you can say and who you can talk to about it, if you are sticking to the terms of the settlement agreement, then like I said, in theory, you basically can't say anything to anyone. So having that kind of perspective from someone who can work it through with you and who understands, I think can be absolutely invaluable. And the other thing I would say is online communities. You know, there are, are places where you can have that conversation. There's so like Facebook groups now, you can ask questions anonymously as a group member where you can ask and get advice on your situation. If you have got a settlement, but you don't want to spend money on working with a professional to work through it, then use that kind of thing where you can talk about it and you will get so many responses where if you just say, has anyone been in this situation, at least you'll get that reassurance that you're not the only person and that you do move through it. You do feel better after it. You do move on. For me personally, I'm kind of like, at the time it felt horrendous in hindsight, best thing that could have happened it takes time yeah. to get to that but you do yeah and same for me and do you know what I've got to say pretty much same for all my clients that have been in that situation so yeah totally get that we hope that has helped you if you are in that situation if nothing else that you recognize that kind of we've been there and you are far from alone you are definitely not the only person this has happened to and yeah, hope that some of that advice, both from a practical perspective in terms of next steps, but also just that reassurance of take your time to feel it, take your time to process it and work on through will help you to recover your confidence. If you do want to get in touch with us, we will have links in the show notes. So feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn, drop us a DM. And if there are other topics that you would like us to cover in future episodes, then likewise, drop us a message about those. Thanks for listening and we will catch you again on the next episode.